Good morning and happy new year. I know it's uh, March 4th now, I believe, but happy new year anyway. Uh, this is the first podcast of 2020. So today I'm going to talk about opening the eyes of our heart. That's the name of the podcast. I know some of us even remember the Christian song that's been sung, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, Open the Eyes of My Heart, I Want to See You, you know. And uh, there is actual real purpose in that statement. It's not just a song. We have eyes that whether we're blind or whether we're not, whether our vision's good or whether it's not, does not matter. We have eyes, right? There are also eyes that go beyond what we can physically see. And these eyes are um, called the eyes of our heart. With the eyes of your heart, you see things with more clarity as it relates to how you understand. And the eyes of our heart increase our faith. It is important for us to know that it is the Lord who needs to activate the eyes of our heart within us. All right, so... What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at an example in the Word of God. So I'm going to read to you Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. And then after that, we'll, we'll pick up um, the continuing of that in Genesis 15, 1 through 6. Okay? But initially, we're going to start at Genesis 12. And I'm reading KJV uh, this time. So stay with me here. But the way it's worded is just perfect. So we need we need to use KJV for this. It says... Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Verse 2, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Okay, final verse, verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Okay, so let's backtrack a little bit and find out what's going on. All right. Verse 1, God is telling Abraham to get out from uh, his father's home. And historically, if you don't know about Abraham, this is before his name was Abraham. That's why it says Abram. God changes his name later. But uh, I'm just going to say Abraham uh, for our understanding so we don't get lost in the name and trying to learn this new thing here. So uh, Abraham is, if you don't know, is living with his, his family and his father's home. They practice a lot of paganism and a lot of idol worship and all kinds of stuff and it's 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 craziness right and god calls abraham out of all of that okay and gives him a promise now this is what i want to tell you when god gives us a promise about something that's going to happen in our life like he did about abraham what did he say in verse 3 or verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Look at that. What a word. Now, 
in order for those promises God is making, because remember, God cannot lie. So what he's saying is a promise. In order for that to come to pass, God has to remove us from the familiar. Okay, verse one. Now the Lord said unto Abram or Abraham, get thee out of thy country. Look, that's the place where he lives from his kindred, from all his family members, right? Cousins, uncles, aunts. Now check this out. And from thy father's house, even immediate family. So sometimes when God has given us a promise that's that's larger than what we can fulfill, larger than any talent that God that we are depending on to make come to pass, God has to remove us from the familiar so that we can totally trust in him. Don't be afraid when God wants to take you from what is familiar to you to a place that you know nothing about so that God can do what he does best and that show himself strong. An example in my own life, um, born and raised, well, born anyway, in in Kansas, raised kind of everywhere because we moved around a lot because uh, we were, you know, just just not financially able to stay in one place all the time. So moved around a lot, ended up moving back to Kansas, met my wife there, started our family, you know, after college, all of that stuff. And uh, we we had a pretty decent life and God told us to, it was time to go. And, and he sent us here to North Carolina. Now get this, people who I told this to, I, not that the God sent me, because, you know, not everybody can understand that. But people who I told this to that I was we were moving, I accepted a job in North Carolina and um, God was was taking us somewhere else. The people who I told that to, they said, well, do you have family there? I was like, no. Do you have cousins? No. Do you know anybody? Do you have any friends? No, I don't. Why would you move someplace where you don't have any friends? That is a hard concept for people to understand that you don't always have to know someone where you're going. God is all you need to know. And his son, Jesus Christ, is all you need to have with you to make you successful. And he will establish new relationships if you give him an opportunity so that his will can come to pass in your life. All right. So that's not actually part of this lesson, but hey, that's it's good for now. All right. So let's continue. So Abraham has the promise. Okay, Genesis 12, one through four. He's been given a promise that he's going to be made a great nation. Here's the biggest part about this. Abraham doesn't have any kids. And what did the Bible say in verse four? He's 75 years old. Time is pretty much up for him in the natural sense. Right. Any medical official will tell you, uh, yeah, uh, the, those days are over, you know, and his wife is not any uh, that much younger than he is. So uh, time's up for them. And yet he obeys God. But when we pick this story up in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham has not seen any of this stuff that God has said happen yet, right? And he's 75 years old at this time too. Genesis 15, he's still 75 years old and nothing has happened. A lot of times when God gives us a promise or God gives us a word, we look for it to happen immediately. And when it doesn't, then our faith begins to get weak. 
And we began to say, you know, this really, maybe I heard God wrong. Maybe the person God used to speak to me missed it. And we start, all this doubt starts to to creep in and, and, and start to control our thought process and our uh, commitment to God in this area. So God visits him again, but differently. And this time to help Abraham, God opens the eyes of his heart. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram or Abraham in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Okay. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed or no son, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. So he's saying, look, this guy named Eleazar is in charge of everything when I die. And you said you'd make us a great nation. And I don't have any kids. What's going on? All right. Be honest with God. When you're frustrated, be honest. don't quote uh, scriptures And in your heart, you don't believe God. Be honest with God, with your unbelief, and God will help and meet you where you're at. Amen. I've had to do that in my life, and God has been there every single time. There is no shame in being weak and and and. And sometimes even struggling in an area. The shame comes is where we refuse to ask for help. Be honest with God and ask for help and he will help you. Amen. Okay, verse 3, Genesis 15, verse 3. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. This is God's answer. Eleazar shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Okay, so he restates the promise that he originally gave, okay, earlier. Now, check this out. This is the beauty of this. God realizes he's struggling because Abraham has been honest with God. So God now opens the eyes of his heart. Verse 5, and he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord. This is Abraham's response. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Right now, let's break this down. Abraham is still struggling this same year that God gave him the promise. Some of us, we make it, we make it three days. We make it three weeks. We make it three months. We make it three years. We make it 20 years. And then we give up and we realize that there, we say to ourselves that this promise that God made me is not going to happen. Okay. This was the same year. And I don't know how much time transpired in between verses 12 and 15, but I do know this from when you read the rest of Genesis. In this chapter, Abraham is still 75 years old. 
And we just read in chapter 12 that the word tells us he was 75. So not much time has passed. At least not a year has passed. And he's struggling. Abraham is struggling. And God recognizes his struggle. And in verse 5, he opens the eyes of his heart. Well, how did he do that? Now, let's read it again so we can understand this. It says, and he brought him forth abroad and said, God took him outside. And he said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. God reestablishes the promise through vision. Now, let's talk about that. God reestablishes the promise through vision. When we first read something, hear something, that the knowledge of what we have acquired goes into our brains, right? But it does not become truth to us until it makes its way into our hearts. Okay, let me say that again. The knowledge that we have acquired comes to us through our brains, through our thinking process, our cognitive ability, right? If we want to go get technical on it, but it does not become true to us until it goes into our hearts. Now, what helps us make it truth in our heart is visualization of the knowledge, okay? God told Abraham the promise, Genesis 12. In Genesis 15, he helps Abraham visualize through the through seeing it in his mind, now opening the eyes of his heart, okay? Visualize through picture what he's talking about. He told him he would make him a great nation and that his, his heirs in, ver- in chapter 12 would not be able to be numbered, right? And in chapter 15, he says, look into the sky, look at the stars. You see how many there are and how you can't count them? That's how your family's going to be. And then it says, and Abraham believed him. Why? Because the eyes of his heart have now been opened. We need to start praying that God open the eyes of our heart. There are promises that God has given us that we cannot yet visualize. And we need to learn to visualize those so that they can become true to us so that they're not head knowledge anymore, so that we're not just living off the words of individuals, but that how God used those individuals for us, that those things now are visualized within us. This is not a radical concept. Visualization is all throughout the word of God. Psalm 23, what does David say? The Lord is what? My shepherd, I shall not want or lack. Why did David use that? Because David was intimately aware of what it costs to be a shepherd. He was intimately aware of that occupation, right? Because he did it. And so when he now has this relationship with God, the Bible says the man after God's own heart, right? He's intimately aware of how God takes care of him. How does he do it? As a shepherd. David visualized it because he was intimately aware of what the cost is of being a shepherd and what that meant for a shepherd to be over a flock and how he takes care of it. So he's opened the eyes of his heart. So it's not just God telling him, I will be with you. David believes it because he's likened it into something he is familiar with. Jesus does the same thing in John chapter five. 
you know, they're talking to him about the Sabbath day and, and they're angry at him and everything and, and how he healed on the Sabbath. And what did Jesus say? I think it's chapter five, verse 19. He said, I only do what? What I see the father do. Now, think about that statement. Jesus said, I only see what I, uh, I only do what I see the father do. In the present time, at the time that that was written, when Jesus is standing before those who are criticizing him, was God present? And many of us will say, yes, he's present in, in him and, and all of that. I'm, I'm talking about a physical body. Did, did Jesus stand and watch a physical body God do a healing and then Jesus copied it? And the answer is no. Where did Jesus see it? In the vision of his heart. And as he saw in the vision of his heart, the father going out and touching, he does the exact same thing, right? He visualized it through the eyes of his heart. You know, they used to teach us in sports. They would say, the coaches would say, you know, we've done all the preparation we can do. Now, all you have to do is visualize yourself winning. Why would they say that? Because they knew winning had to be part of the truth of what we believed. Otherwise, we would just go out, do the motions, and not go out to win, but just to go out to compete. When you compete, you have to compete to win, or there is no competition. If you've shown up to be blown out, and if you've shown up to be destroyed, then you already had defeat on your mind. Right? But if you show up to actually compete, the true sense and definition of the word competition, then you've shown up to win. We as Christians need to show up to win. We've gotten the promise. God has, has prophesied to us through many different people, even through his word. He's given us a lot. But some of us have not yet realized those promises. And that's that's OK. Abraham's promise didn't come after verse uh, chapter 15 until 25 years later. But it, but he realized it because God is faithful. Now, what God did in the meantime was God opened the eyes of our heart, of his heart. We need to pray that God open the eyes of our heart. We haven't actually seen some of us what God has promised us. And that's okay for right now. But God is faithful and he has to fulfill those things. So what we need to do to strengthen our faith is ask God to open the eyes of our heart. So I'm going to pray this prayer and we're going to do this together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that all your promises are yes and amen. Lord, you've promised us many things. You've told us many things about where we are to go, how we're supposed to live, who we're supposed to touch, who is going to be saved based on our testimony. Lord, the businesses and dreams you've put within us, you've told us all these things. Father, I don't know all of them, but I know what you've told me. And it's the same for every human being because you're no respecter of persons. Now, Lord, where there has been space for those things to not come to pass. Yet, I thank you that the promise is still sure. And in that space, I ask you now, Lord, to give us, as you promised in Acts 2.17, dreams and visions so that the eyes of our heart can open in the name of Jesus. And with those images, with those visions, with those dreams. I thank you, Lord, 
that in those will not just be the support for our faith, but the answer to prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so that's all I've got for you today. I want you to meditate on this. This is good stuff. And opening the eyes of our heart is what the Lord, I don't know if you caught it in that prayer, but that's what the Lord promised he would do for us. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, Peter speaks of it. And in Joel 2.28, it was also prophesied the exact same thing in the Old Testament, that God would open up dreams and visions to us in these days. Those are pictures. That's the eyes of our heart being opened so that we can obey God and be faithful. All right. So you know how to hit me up. This has been fun. Um, God bless y'all. This is this is going to be good for you. It's going to change your life. If you have any questions, always hit me up. This is Pastor Earl. Love you. Bye.